0: and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. I wanna take a second to tell you about a podcast I think you'll really like, Mayday. No one is prepared for disaster. Presents Bullet Catcher, Season 1, Episode
1: 13. The screaming wakes me from blackness, the vacuum of non existence. The secret door is flung open. Cloak stands in the doorway, shouting at a group of gunslingers. My brain is scrambled and I can't make out the words. An explosion startles me fully awake. It rocks the small room, shaking clouds of dust from the ceiling and walls. My hand is in Nico's big hands. He's hurriedly wrapping gauze around my wound. Then he ties it off and says, Something is happening up above. Some sort of attack. Stay here. You'll be weak after the procedure. Only then do I remember what happened. The evil light in Cloak's eyes as he squeezed down on the device and snapped off my finger. I pull my hand away from Nico's and see for the first time the red-stained gauze wrapped around the space where my finger had been moments ago. It's then like a bad memory returning, but the pain arcs through my body again. I double over and feel like vomiting. Nico produces a bottle of snake bite from the valise. His face is screwed into a look of panic. This will help, he says. I'll be back when we have things under control. Then he and Cloak run out of the room, guns drawn. I slump back in the chair, cradling my injured hand. Tears fall down my cheeks. The pain has me lightheaded. My vision is quickly receding into a narrow point of light. I lean against the table, taking deep breaths until the room stops spinning. I can feel something hardening inside me. When Nico left me at the orphanage, I thought I would never get over it. When I had to suture my own wounds after another bullet catching test, I thought the failure would break me. When Nico led me down to this room and let Cloak mutilate me, I thought I would die. But now I know I will bend, I will splinter, but I won't break. I'm the indestructible girl. Cub! The voice seems very far away. Cub, you need to stand. I look up and the bullet catcher is standing over me, holding my arm, trying to drag me to my feet. Your face. I reach up to touch his cheek. His face is bruised and swollen. He grabs my hand and says calmly, Put aside the pain, Cub. There will be time to feel it later. I let him pull me to my feet, and we make our way up the stairs from the cellar, through the club, and onto the street. The town is in chaos. Fires rage over the rooftops on the far side of town. The pain makes it hard to focus, and it takes me a moment, but yes, one of the fires, that has to be the factory. And the other, the pump station. Cass and Hartwright managed it. Did you and Hartwright do this? Lobo says, staring at the fires. And Cass, I say. He turns to me. Cass is here. You found her. We found her. His eyes are glassy, reflecting the light of the fires raging. Where will she be? He says. From across town comes the distant sound of guns. I point toward the pump station. That way. I stumble down the street. I'm still dizzy and every few seconds the pain seizes through me again, making me sick. Lobo tries to help me but I push him away. I'm fine, I growl at him. Anyway the more I move the stronger I feel. The fire is spreading over the industrial district. With every street we cross the noise of the guns popping grows louder and louder. Here and there we see a gunslinger, dead in the street where they took a bullet. I steal the guns from one of the bodies and fill my empty holsters. It used to be that the weight of the guns made me feel stronger, made me feel brave, but not anymore. Living this life resigns you to the pain. A person who makes a living breaking horses gets thrown plenty. A person with a gun will use it to kill and will be killed themselves sooner or later. That's the truth. We pause in an alley a few blocks from the pump station. I can feel the heat of the fires. We're close, but I need to catch my breath. Lobo doesn't question me. He lets me rest. He peers out into the street that, for now, is quiet. I remember what Lobo said about feeling the pain later, when there's time. I push it down. I know that these are the last moments before the fighting and gunfire and killing. I settle in the moment, cherishing it. And when everything is calm in my mind and my legs feel strong and my breathing quiet i tap lobo on the shoulder and say okay let's go we dart into the alley right as a contingent of gunslingers rounds the corner a block up the street no sooner do they see lobo than they draw their guns and open fire lobo takes a step forward to meet the bullets discarding them on the ground like loose change but we're sitting ducks out here in the open. And farther up the street, another posse of gunslingers draws toward us, attracted by the sounds of fighting. Follow me, I yell over the gun chatter. I charge across the street, up on the boardwalk, and through the open door of a small grocery. Aisles of foodstuffs line the room. Gas lamps flicker from perches along the walls. A lone gunslinger stands behind the counter. In his hand is a wad of bills. Apparently, he's using the chaos to rob the place. When he sees me, his eyes go big and he reaches for his gun. I go for my gun and pain arches through my arm. The gunslinger shoots and misses. I draw the gun with my offhand and let loose a shot just as he's aiming to shoot again. The gun flies out of his hand. An arc of blood sprays across the wall. The gunslinger doubles over, cradling his shot hand against his body. A second gunslinger emerges from the stockroom, drawn by the noise. His gun is already raised. I dive into the aisle as the gunslinger peppers the space where I'd been a split second before. A shelf of canned goods explodes, scattering food across the shelf. Lobo flies through the door under a hail of gunfire from the street. He sees the gunslingers with their guns drawn and everyone freezes. Just for a moment but it's all the time I need to reach out, grab Lobo, and pull him into the aisle just before the gunslingers let off another volley. You okay, cub? He asks as if he was the one who just saved my life. One of the gunslingers hurries around the corner and fires, trying to catch us by surprise. Without turning, Lobo flicks his wrist at the bullet, sending it back the way it came. The bullet ricochets off the shelving, I let off a flurry of hip shots, slapping the hammer with my injured hand, sending shockwaves of pain up my arm. The gunslinger dives back around the corner. I hadn't thought I'd hit him, but when we advance to the end of the aisle and press our backs against the shelf, there's a trail of blood leading from the aisle to where the man collapsed, halfway between the store counter and us. The other gunslinger, with his arm propped on the counter to steady his aim, chases us back to cover with a volley of bullets. Help me, boss. Help me. The wounded man calls out from where he lies on the floor. His voice is wet and strangled. The gunslinger ignores him. Sorry, Miss Moreno. I know you're bullet's sister and all, but you ain't walking out of here alive, he shouts. If you want to shoot it out for a couple bucks I'm more than game, I shout back. I dare to peek around the aisle. The wounded man has gone quiet. He clenches and unclenches his empty shooting hand. A trail of blood runs from where he lies in the middle of the room to the front door. He's as good as dead, and I feel nothing. The gun in my hand is hot, and my hand no longer hurts. Enough anger can work as bomb. You have about five seconds. Lobo shouts to the gunslinger. And then I'm coming to kill you. He lets that sink in for a beat. Or we can agree to go our separate ways. Throw down your gun and we'll let you leave out the front door. And Miss Moreno here won't tell Bullet she saw you robbing a store when you should have been fighting. The gunslinger doesn't say anything. Five. The gunslinger pounds (laughs) his fist on the counter. Shit, shit, shit. He growls to himself. Through the window, I can see the other gunslingers stalking up to the front of the store. Four! Okay, okay, you have a deal, bullet catcher, yells the gunslinger. His guns make a clunk-clunk sound as he throws them to the floor. Then he's running past us, out the door, his arms full of cash. I raise my gun at his back, but Lobo puts his hand on mine and lowers it. No sooner does the gunslinger leave than he runs into the gunslingers on our trail. What the hell do you think you're doing? One of them shouts. Through the window, I watch as the thief throws the money in the air and tries to make a break for it before getting gunned down by his brothers. Run, cub, Lobo shouts. He stands and bolts for the stockroom as the first gunslinger comes through the door and takes a shot at him. Lobo deflects the bullet, sending the shooter sprawling for cover. A half second later, I'm up on my feet, running after Lobo. He lowers his shoulder into the door and barrels through it into the next room. The gunslinger shoots at me, but he only hits my shadow. I dodge and fire once from the hip, piercing him through the eye. The force lifts him off his feet and sends him tumbling backward. For a moment, there's quiet. The puddle of blood around the gunslinger expands. The smells of blood and smoke fill the air. Then the doorway fills with gunslingers, their guns raised. I shoot the gas lamp near the door. It explodes and rains burning oil over the gunslingers. They shoot wildly, but I'm already safely through the door and into the stockroom. It's dark, except for a single rectangle of light. The back door is open, leading out to the street, awash in light from the raging fires. The shape of the bullet catcher enters the lighted frame and he catches me as I burst out of the door. Suddenly, I'm exhausted and nauseous. And it's not only my hand that hurts, but my whole body. I vomit and wipe my mouth with my sleeve. The bandage is red, and for the first time I notice the blood trailing down my arm from the wound. Lobo is holding me, his arms like steel cords wrapped around me tight. The night has turned bitter cold, and my breath explodes in a puff of steam. I can barely stand. I don't know how much blood I've lost, but it's too much. We need to get you out of here, he says. We can't leave without Heartright and Cass, I say, trying to stand straighter. You're no good to them dead. I look him in the eye, and I can't go on living without them.
0: Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Find The Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube.
1: I have no strength to run, but we move as fast as we can toward the fires. We pass the factory. The whole block has erupted in flame. The factory children stand in a group away from the flames their sooty faces and hard eyes staring straight into the inferno. I find Six's small face in the crowd of children and run up to him. It's you, he says, looking scared and sleepy at once. You remember, I say. Did all the kids get out safe? My heart beats loudly in my ears. Everyone's here, he says. The old lady and the one with one eye made us buddy up. And then they made us leave. And a couple minutes later, boom! The whole thing blew up and caught on fire. My heart slows. Thank goodness they got them all out. Did you see where they went? The old lady and the one with one eye? They went to the water place, he says. The gunslingers watch the factory burn. Some hold pails of water, but there's no sense in wasting it. The factory is gone. As we draw close to the pump station, the street is in such chaos that we don't even need to hide. Gunslingers and townsfolk race to put out the fires raging down the block with pails of water. A line of red carriages is stationed along the street. On each sits a huge cistern of water attached to pumps, from which hoses snake into the arms of gunslingers, who stand shooting water a story or two high into the burning windows of the buildings. Gunslingers rush through the open door of the pump station, guns in hand. Lobo watches, sizing up the danger. You don't reckon they're still inside, do you? I say, staring up at the windows. From the gunfire and the reinforcements rushing inside? I'd say so. Then he turns to me and says, You're in no shape for this fight, cub. I grab his arm and say sharply, I'll tell you when I've had enough. We charge into the building. My gun is in my hand and I'm expecting a fight, but the lobby is empty. From deeper inside come the sounds of shouting and gunfire. We run toward the fighting and enter a large glass top atrium where a huge water pump stands three stories tall, like a steel tumor. Iron walkways encircle the atrium, leading from the ground floor all the way up to the top. The pumps spout steam and the huge gears turn smoothly, like a finely made watch. They didn't set off the bombs, I say. From up on the top floor comes the exchange of gunfire. Gunslingers stampede up the iron stairs toward the fight, and then we're off after them as fast as I can manage. As we climb, the bodies of gunslingers block our way, piled three or four high in places. Finally, we make it to the top floor. On one side of the walkway, a line of gunslingers takes cover behind a makeshift bunker of furniture gathered from the offices that line the atrium. They exchange fire across the chasm with two shooters I can't see, but who can only be Hartwright and Katz. Thank goodness they're still alive. In a moment, Lobo is on top of the gunslingers. I lean against the rail and watch as he picks the first one up from behind and throws him over the railing. His screams end with a sickening sound three floors below. That catches the attention of the three remaining gunslingers, who turn and wear a collective look of shock at the sight of the bullet catcher looming over them. Lobo grabs the one closest to him, using him as a shield, as the other two gunslingers empty their shooters into their compatriot. Lobo lets the man go, and as he falls, he slips the man's extra gun from its holster. The gunslingers flick open their cylinders to reload, but it's already too late. Lobo lets off two quick shots and they collapse to the walkway. Lobo drops the gun as if he can't stand the touch of it. Then his arm is around my shoulder, and he's helping me navigate the wreckage of bodies and furniture. Don't shoot, he calls out. Two sets of eyes peek out from the doorway of one of the offices on the opposite side of the walkway. A moment later, Hartwright and Cass appear. Hartwright sees that I'm injured and comes over to help. She puts her arm around my other shoulder, and together, we take cover in the abandoned office. Bullet holes line the walls. Spent bullet casings glitter on the floor. Lobo and Hartwright let me down against the wall. Cass posts up beside the doorway, peering out at the atrium. I'm glad you could show, she says to Lobo. I didn't know if you would, he answers. She turns and stares hard at him. How could I not? All the things you've said. Words is all. When did you start taking them so seriously? Lobo takes a breath and looks at me. Getting soft in my old age, I reckon. A gunshot rings out and scatters everyone to cover. Emma! Nico's voice is an electric shock that sharpens my senses. I pick myself up off the floor to steal a peek outside. He stands with Cloak along the railing, surrounded by gunslingers on both sides. Cloak draws his gun and lets it hang from his fingers after everything your brother did for you, he says. He brought you into our family. He taught you to be a gunslinger. I love you, Nico says, his voice shaking. You have a funny way of showing it, I shout back. I did it because I care about you. I don't have the strength to keep arguing, to tell him how insane he's become. If you really love me, you'll let us go. I call back to him. You know I can't. Not now. His face is distorted between anger and sadness. He traces the scar on his cheek, and I can see the anger spreading across his features. Foolishness, Cloak says, tightening the grip on his gun. Nico squeezes his eyes shut, and when he opens them, his face is a mask. Take them alive if you can. He orders. But if you can't, kill them. Cloak and three of his gunslingers approach us slowly, with their guns drawn at their hips. I reach out and grab Lobo's hand. If we can make it to the roof, Hartwright says, keeping her cool, then we can escape across the rooftops. How do you reckon we get to the roof? Cass says. They look at each other, but there is no answer. Did you set the bombs? I ask. We set them all around the pump, but the detonators busted, Cass says. Before we could do anything about it, the cavalry arrived and chased us up here. If we can blow the pump, it might give us the chance to escape. And even if it doesn't... Even if it doesn't, Lobo says, at least we'll have put a hurt on the gunslingers and done some good for the Southland. Cass smiles at that. Heartwright reloads her gun. Well, she says, it's not how I'd have chosen to go, but at least the company ain't bad. The gunslingers start shooting. We hit the floor. Wood splinters and sparks. The blood runs off the tip of my fingers and forms a small red circle on the ground. Give me cover and I'll set off the bombs! Heartwright yells. Cass and Lobo share a look and then step into the doorway. Together, they deflect the bullets. Looking at them, I get a glimpse of what they were like when they were young. Heartright crawls on her belly, through the doorway and to the edge of the landing. Cass and Lobo follow her, averting the bullets. Mustering my energy, I join them, taking pot shots from cover and managing to draw a little fire. A startled cry breaks the monotony when Cass takes a bullet in the leg and goes down on one knee. But then she's back up and fighting her teeth gritted and her face pained. Hartwright is in position, taking aim. She lets off a shot and there's a deep metal clang from a ricochet. She lets out a breath, holds it, aims and fires. The force of the explosion sends me hurtling backward and when I regain my senses, I see a huge plume of fire rising up through the atrium. Lobo and Hartwright grab Cass and pull her to safety. The gunfire has stopped, but it'll only last until the gunslingers regain their composure. What are you waiting for? Cloak yells. Get back on your feet and shoot them. I can hear the gunslingers approaching now, carefully, as if they could sneak up on us. I think about all those nights living in the back of Dimitri's saloon, the air so hot and dry that it was impossible to sleep so I'd lie on my thin little cot and wish for a better life, for adventure and purpose. I remember how I felt I deserved some good fortune after so much rotten luck. But you know what? Fuck that. Life's not about deserving and undeserving. Life can't be divided into the fortunate and unfortunate. You can't go around thinking about what's owed you because no one owes you anything. If there is a debt, it's only to oneself. So what if we don't make it out alive? Like Lobo said, we'll have put a hurt on the gunslingers and done some good for the Southland, however little. I draw my gun. It's so heavy I can barely lift it. I struggle to my feet. No one notices me. Lobo is seeing to Cass. Heartright is reloading. I'm the unnoticeable girl again. I step into the doorway and raise my gun at Cloak. Folks say time is constant. It's not. The orphanage and Dimitri's seem to last three lifetimes. I was an old woman by the time I left, and everything since seems like a matter of days. The gunshot rings out, echoing loudly off the iron and glass and all the way down to the well of the building overflowing with drawn guns and fire and water like blood. Silence follows, a silence that feels like minutes, minutes in which my life flashes before my eyes, running after the bullet catcher, turning my back on him, Nico, bad pines, table rock, Cass, and everything I've done, good and bad, leading up to this moment. Then everything speeds up. The bullet whizzes harmlessly past Cloak. The wall behind him burns and collapses with a rumbling finality. The gunslingers break to put it out. Cloak smiles devilishly at me. He has me. I'm as good as dead. But now there's shooting, coming from somewhere else. Everything is chaos and gunfire. At first, the gunslingers can't tell who's shooting. Some turn on their own posse, thinking they've been double-crossed. And then... I see the broken glass from the atrium roof falling. The shards catch the light of the flames as they fall. And looking up, I see the roof alight with gunfire. Muzzle flashes illuminate a man's jowly, hangdog face. Another catches the outline of a silvery, foot-long beard. Wrinkled faces, unkempt beards and eyebrows. Its heart writes good-for-nothings, her drinking buddies. Yee-haw, Hartwright yells, waving her hat in the air. It's the goddamn cavalry! The gunslingers climb and trip over one another to get to cover. Nico dodges the bullets coming down like rain, grabs an injured man by the collar, and hauls him through one of the doorways. Cloak grabs the man closest to him, and, pushing him out front, uses him as a shield, running for cover. He drops the man, riddled with bullets, dead before hitting the ground before swinging himself over the rail and onto the landing below. When the coast is clear, the good-for-nothings drop down a rope. Hurry up, growls a tobacco-strained voice from above. Covering fire from the roof keeps the gunslingers pinned down. Lobo picks me up and puts me on his back. Hold on, he says, and begins climbing. Hartwright and Cass follow close behind. Up on the roof, we are surrounded by wrinkled faces. Heartright shakes hands with her compatriots, but there's no time to lose. The good-for-nothings have stretched boards and ladders from rooftop to rooftop, and we start making our escape. Even with me on his back, Lobo runs, nimble as a cat along the narrow gangways. Cass isn't far behind, even with a bullet in her leg, but Heartright slows us down. When they figure we're far enough away from the blaze, Lobo, Cass, and Heartright make their way to ground level, I'm slipping in and out of consciousness. One moment, we're on a roof. The sky is tinged orange with the fire, and the stars are invisible. And the next moment, we're on the ground. The commotion feels far away now, and the night has grown quiet. Was this where we agreed to rendezvous? Because here are the horses. No name nuzzles my cheek. I reach out to her Mane and get blood all over her neck. Lobo lifts me onto a horse and climbs on after me. We've almost made it, he says. The gunshot splits the night in two. I startle awake, and Lobo holds tight to me to keep from falling. I look around and see Hartwright, her eyes gone wide. She looks down at her chest, where blood spreads quickly across her shirt. The blood is black in the lightlessness. She collapses and now I'm struggling against Lobo's arms around me. I break free and fall from the horse. I crawl in the dirt until I make it to Heartright. I reach out and take her hand in mine. The shooter steps forward out of the alley, still pointing the gun toward us. Lobo tries to dismount, but Cloak waves the gun at him and he settles back into the saddle with a grimace. You too, he says, waving his gun at Cass. She reluctantly raises her hands. Then Hartwright pulls me close and says, Help me get to my feet, young'un. Together with every ounce of energy remaining, we stand. Turn around, Cloak says. I don't wanna have to shoot you in the back. The tears are coming again. Hartwright's shirt is black with blood and I know the end is coming. Listen to me. She says, I don't have a lot of puff left, so I'm going to say this fast. You got a gift, girl. And it ain't shooting or catching bullets. You bring out the best in people. Hell, I was bad my whole life until I met you. You're good, I whisper, unable to raise my voice. She cups my cheek in her ancient hand and says, that's cause you made me better than I had any right to be. She pushes me away. And before I know what's happening, there's a hand grabbing my collar and swinging me up on the horse. Hartwright draws her guns, drops to a knee and spins, moving like someone half her age. She unloads both guns, rolls and reloads. Cloak dives in the alley. She's already firing when she gets back to her feet. Go! Hartwright yells. Cass swings up into her saddle. Lobo kicks the horse, and we're gone. We need to go back, I try to yell, but Lobo can't hear me. I'm not even sure I even really managed to say it, and it wouldn't matter anyway. He wouldn't turn around even if he heard me. He knows the most important thing now is to get as much distance between the town and us. I know it too. I know it like I know that Hartwright is already dead.
0: You're listening to Bullet Catcher Season 1 by Joaquin Lowe. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Produced by Lydia Shama, and executive produced by Julian Yap and Molly Barton. Performed by Inez del Castillo. Audio produced, directed, and designed by Amanda Rose Smith. Additional editing by Corey Barton. Original theme composed by Hashem Asadolahi, with performances by Justin Morell and Josh Deutsch. Cover art by Christine Barcelona.